0: earbud media audio for everyone hi i'm Shayna. and i'm Bryce, and this is charmed, charmed. a, a spellcast. spell
1: cast hey you listening there have you heard about the witches with the really nice hair and a penchant for 90s style and kicking ass and taking names when names are worthwhile and knowing how to fight like girls demon infested world They're the charmed ones They're the charmed ones They're the charmed ones
2: charmed a spell cast how are you brace uh you know what all things considered not bad um how are you doing well, i i uh I go back and
0: forth between uh like really intense existential dread and just like humming in the background existential dread like just the the underwriting is kind of one dread and then sometimes there are shouts of like holy god living in a time that seems infeasible but maybe it shouldn't have seemed that way if i had been paying attention um so it's
2: rough (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I actually really totally feel that. I also think that, like we said a long time ago in some distant episode, we spend too much time in our heads. It's very hard to maintain a grasp on reality sometimes because it feels like everything is happening now and always. Yeah, which is in some ways true. Everything is happening
0: too much, so much, all the time. Yeah. Um everything happens so much. Everything happens so much all the time, but also you are pretty confined to your your reality and sometimes it's good to remember that you are grounded in the present or you have the ability to be. But also sometimes you can just float away on an escapist fantasy, which is why I started
2: rewatching Glee. Oh. You know, I actually also restarted watching uh Glee a couple of weeks ago and then i quickly stopped watching (laughs) because i remembered how much of it is cringy oh it's
0: terrible it's quite it's a document of the 2000s i would say or like
2: the 2010s certainly oh most definitely i i like on youtube i guess i got recommended Uh, the podcast for two of the actors because I guess they just started picking up on me watching Glee and in the podcast like I just watched like five minutes of one of their episodes they talked about how like Glee couldn't be made in the now times like it's just too not well done enough. Yeah that's completely true there are like from the very
0: first episode which I think is good television actually Um, like the first episode definitely there are just things that happen that make you feel so upset and question the morality and the obtuseness, I suppose, of the people who might be writing it. Um, There's actually, there are a lot of lines and I'm I'm still watching it. I'm on season three now because it's just been like in the background for me Mm -hmm. and it's something that's very easy to just kind of skip through. But there are lines that are written that's like, Oh wow! The person who wrote this line really does not have a grasp on what the identity they're trying to embody actually is mm. um so which which is something that I think has become very public discourse recently it's it's been It's been talked about for a long time, but recently has like gained a lot of steam and um now, with that at the forefront of somebody's mind, as they're watching the show, they might be like, wow, what did that writer's room think they were doing
2: correctly? <laughs> yeah, I, that's kind of a running thread through all of Ryan Murphy's shows, to be honest, and even into present day Ryan Murphy territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely agreed.
0: It's uh, There's some like, hmm, like, I... Could you tell me with a completely serious face that you feel that this was a success? <laughs> at, like, what, like, what did you accomplish? What did you accomplish with this show? Or like with this episode even? I would love to know. And also, were there any parts that you just kind of glossed over and said, nobody's going to remember these, so we're just not going to put that much effort into this?
2: Oh, I wonder. yeah. Uh, at the end of the day some pretty fun musical numbers though so that is what kept me watching and sometimes that's i still want to go back and revisit that and be in that uh magical glitz and glamour yes glee one might say <laughs> yeah um, exactly <laughs> i started
0: re-watching it because i really miss naya rivera yeah um, rest in peace who- who passed away two months ago i think which which is such a a huge tragedy and just a huge loss for for her family and friends, and then also for the people whose uh whose portrayal of an out lesbian she like really and truly made a huge impact on most definitely so so r i p to naya rivera um you are the one
2: of the only good parts of glee (laughs) (laughs) truly truly she truly she's such a talent it's such a joy to watch her um and she will be missed very very much yeah so that's how i'm doing
0: i'm watching glee because i'm sad about world events and uh i'm also looking for ways still as always to be not as sad about world events by by doing something that feels productive and feels like I'm contributing to the good guys in some way. And uh, for me, that has been looking at the organization Food Not Bombs, which has been around for like 40 years and basically just delivers large meals and, and meal prepped um, items to... Those who need
2: food. Awesome. Can you, do they have, do they have a website that you want to share or like a social media handle? They have, their Instagram is just, uh, I believe it's food, not bombs, bedsty. Love it. Okay. I will be putting that in the description. Excellent. Yeah.
0: They're really great. They just recently uh, set up their actually public page because it's, it's been going for a while, but it's, it's just been run by. Uh, members off of their own kind of individual social media, and they just started putting out the word for people to donate and to volunteer with them. So uh,
2: there's probably a chapter in your area. That's really cool. I love how you always take this time to share something useful on this platform.
0: Oh, man. I mean, what are we doing (laughs) truly here? I feel like I get great use out of just shouting into the void, so I I hope to put something useful as well to repay my debt
2: (laughs) to you, listener. (laughs) honestly very admirable because the news that I was going to share is that yesterday I was sitting in a park eating a sandwich. Not yesterday, a couple days ago. I was sitting in the park eating a sandwich, and I see a picnic table a couple of um, yards away, sorry, meters if you're outside the United States, and I have to say this because I've recently been told that canadians might be listening anyway
0: what which canadian could that be i wonder
2: (laughs) unbeknownst to us for now so a couple of meters away there's a picnic table and it's all decked out there's like a giant pink um tablecloth like columns of balloons there are like cute little gift bags with the um tufts of uh what are they Tissue paper just poking out of them. And they're all super colorful. And there's like a bunch of different colors. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, OK, well, I see a giant balloon and it's like the shape of a five. So this is for a five year old, obviously. And there's a parent there and they're by themselves. And they're obviously just waiting for the fellow partygoers to show up. So a couple of minutes go by and an adult couple comes over and, you know, everyone's like wearing masks and keeping it apart. But they're just like st- they're obviously here to gather at this park bench. And I'm like, okay, so there's a couple, no child yet, but that's fine. I'm sure the child, the children will be coming soon. And then another person comes, joins this picnic table. And I'm like, interesting, interesting, still an adult, still no child. And then suddenly I realize that there's a dog sitting on the picnic bench. And I'm like, no, is this the dog's birthday? And then I see them put a tiara on the dog and start taking pictures of it in front of the picnic bench and I'm like, I just witnessed full-grown adults put together a dog birthday party. Not because it makes sense, but just because they could. And that's what I want to share on today's Manor Keeping.
0: Wow. Some things really don't change. Despite all signs to the contrary, people will still find a way to celebrate
2: a dog's birthday. Yeah. That little little dog is... Five years old. Congrats to them. That little stinker. (laughs) What kind of a dog was it? Uh, It's like a little bulldog. Super smushy face. I think it was. I'm trying to remember. It was a small dog, though.
1: Oh, my
2: God. Oh, okay. I do have something of actual value to contribute to this conversation. Uh, So the Mayday space, which is like a collective also based in Brooklyn, they host a lot of events. They have a space that... Unfortunately, doesn't really get rented out that much anymore, but it's usually open to events that help people learn and connect in their community. Anyway, they're hosting a course. It's six weeks long, starts in October, goes into November, I think. And it's a course about analyzing about uh, how race is, um, has evolved and has been experienced. I think not just in New York, like in the entire United States, And it's uh, an hour and a half every Monday after work. And it's taught by a professor, I think, from CUNY. And they just go through all the different waves of immigration in the US, how race has been conceptualized. uh, And it's free. Well, uh, it's donation-based. So it's free for anyone who wants to sign up. And you just hop on a Zoom call every Monday evening. But um, they do accept donations should you want to financially contribute. Wow. So I'm guessing you're taking this course. I am. Uh, I'll put a link for that as well into our description. Amazing. Would you be
0: willing to give us a tidbit of knowledge every time?
2: Oh, you you hop on the air. Sure. If, if, uh, if we want that, I'm, I'm positive. I will not be able to deliver these like condensed, um, summaries of the lectures nearly as well as the instructor, but I'll, I'll share a little bit of my experience. Okay, so to be determined,
0: to be determined. Mm-hmm. So readers or not readers, who are you? Listeners,
2: <laughs> who are you? What are you doing?
0: <laughs> Email us, comment, let us know. Should Bryce be a professor? Oh god. <laughs> oh god. Oh wow. It's I mean it's a good question. Should <laughs> should she be a uh an a, an assistant professor? Hmm. Or no,
2: an assistant to the professor. A associate?
0: No, wait. A TA. Should Bryce be a TA? <laughs> a graduate assistant. Ah. Uh, chime <laughs> in in the go. comments.
2: Yeah. I, I demoted you so many times there. <laughs> Thank you. It was it was earned, though. as I was deserving of the demotion. Oh, good. I thought you didn't want the pressure,
0: so I, you know, <laughs> might make it a little bit more manageable. But I'm still very excited to learn from you. And I also from you as well. Oh, good. I'm not even a TA. Ah. Not yet, nope. But I do have an M.A. in charmed. That's almost true. Okay, so uh, in the spirit of keeping manner keep keeping manner keeping up with the Kardashians, sorry, no, uh, we're keeping <laughs> that go. one. No, it's staying in. I
2: gotta leave.
0: <laughs> oh man, I was going to say in the in the spirit of keeping uh, manner keeping concise, I I have one other piece to share, which is that something that I actually do for money. What? I get money for things? I know, very strange. Um, Is that NewFest, New New York's LGBTQ Film Festival, is, uh, is going virtual this year, and we're very excited about it. And we are releasing our program very, very soon very soon. It's it's going the festival itself is running from October 16th to the 27th. So all of our program announcements are going to come out soon and because we are virtual this year, it's basically like a a national film festival, so you can you can check it out pretty soon and I would love for everyone who's interested in any sort of queer media to uh to check it out and see if they can find something for themselves, I think you probably can. We've got a really beautiful program, and I can't wait for it to be unveiled. And I have a feeling that listeners of this pod would be particularly interested in some gay-ass movies. So, yeah, that's that's what I have to plug. It's been something that's been very exciting and also very stressful to work on because I want to get it so completely right, especially because we can't meet in person right now and enjoy a movie, and so we're all just working very hard to make sure that the films and episodics and shorts that we do have are things that people who opt in to view can feel some sort of sense of community around, even if they're just watching
2: from home. So yeah, look out for that soon. Oh, that's such a good, exciting thing to share. I'm very excited. I can't wait to buy a ticket and watch a film yeah and as
0: soon as it's out i'm sure next episode i'll talk more about it and give you some of my personal recommendations Ooh, yes curate for us excellent i shall my favorite thing to do telling other people what to watch <laughs> is a love language
2: yeah um that's actually such a such a good description i think for how you express love I
0: i i would say so i would say so i mean And who do I love most of all? The person who I have made watch an entire TV series with me and do a podcast.
2: Oh, is it me? Am I the person? It's you. Bryce, it's you. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Um, Okay. Well, I don't know
0: how long this is going, but I believe we're already well into our time. That is all of the manner keeping that I have personally. Uh, Aside from the fact that I'm very scared about California wildfires because... Family and friends are there, and uh, it's very hard to say anything about that except that I guess we just shouldn't have taken land management and conservation away from the people who actually know what they're doing, which are people indigenous to the U.S.
2: Truly horrible.
0: I, Truly e- even terrible. Even, the, like,
2: even, like, forgetting that very important consideration... The fact that the blame is being placed on the people who are trying to sound the alarms and who live there and who have to deal deal with all of this mess and and the blame is being placed yeah terrible and the fact that the the blame is being placed on them just to appeal to voters in other states yeah which doesn't even make sense pretty creepy because
0: I think something that people don't realize is that so much of California and Oregon and Washington, actually, is is very diverse in terms of its voting base. And a lot of the more rural areas, of which there are a lot, especially in Oregon and Washington, are pretty, like, conservative. Self-defined as, as red and conservative. Mm-hmm. So for the president of this freaking country i can't believe it to be not paying any attention of course it's terrifying for a president to not be paying attention to any any person you know under under their jurisdiction but especially for those that like voted for him
2: Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. what yeah i I mean we knew this
0: we knew this (laughs) we knew this but it's still every time i i think it can't blow my mind more Mm -hmm.
2: i know well it's i i mean i i'm not like a political expert on this but i have heard that there is not a debate in most of california and oregon about whether climate change is real like that isn't the issue on the table the issue on the table is what can i say so that other voters elsewhere will think that I have more of a grasp of what's happening than the people who are running the show in these states Oy vey
0: simply, simply oy vey. you know
2: mm-hmm.
0: that about sums it up um and just past my anger and, and frustration and everything I think more than anything we just are hoping that the people most affected by this um will be safe and will be healthy and will be able to find shelter if they're evacuating and food and water and filters and masks
2: yeah and that's that's really the number one concern for sure it's very close to home because our families are both there yeah
0: oh yeah families are there yeah my entire family is in california um Bryce, I know your entire immediate family is in California as well. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very scary time, especially to be on a different coast and, like, not able... And this was something... Oh, my God. Before the fires and during COVID. I I can't believe any of this phrasing. (laughs) Oh, my Um, God. But this was also something that we were concerned about when it was was just COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when it was just covid and and uh increased police brutality and things like that is that being separated from your family by an entire country is something that does not weigh easy on the brain i think
2: yeah you said it well
0: thank you okay i guess that's the end of
2: my manner keeping so dread dread existential dread yeah but i mean while we have you here uh listener listen to us talk about a tv show from the 90s for a little bit yeah
0: fuck it why not (laughs) let's go to uh, reckless Abandoned, which is the name of this charmed episode
2: ho
3: ho
0: ho 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 ho
3: oh hi bryce oh hi shana you know how we've always said that we've got the best sponsors in the world those were fake we don't have any sponsors for once you are incorrect we have the best sponsor in the world especially if you're looking for creative comfy silly but earnest movie merch super yaki has original t-shirts sweatshirts pins national treasure spy kids nora efron star wars judy greer josie and the pussycats jordan peele John Carpenter and so much more. Bryce, do you have a
2: favorite design? Oh heck yeah I do. I really love their dad hat that says Music by John Carpenter on it and is in a nice burnt orange color. Ugh, you look like such a good dad in that. Heck yeah I do. You're doing great kids. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with code SUPERFRIEND, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. So
3: that's SUPERFRIEND, S-U-P-E-R-F-R-I-E-N-D. So check them out. Get yourself a new outfit to spice up your comfy movie-binging quarantine lifestyle and support the USPS. What could be better? Visit them at superyaki.com. That's S-U-P-E-R. Y-A-K-I dot C-O-M
0: Reckless Abandon This is Season 2, Episode 11 of Charmed It was directed by Craig Zisk and it was written by Javier Griel-Marchois and it aired on January 27,
2: 2000 Nice, nice. nailed you. it
0: thank you very much i'm uh i'm staying at a friend's right now cat sitting for them and the wi-fi is a little bit different than i am used to mm, so slower uh one would say yes
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> one could say one could say slower love the um,
2: cat sitting side hustle it
0: has truly turned into a side hustle this is the third household that i have cat sat for in the last two or three months oh wow third three cats they're actually there are three cats here
2: i oh my goodness all three at once they're really cute i love how the uh the past tense verb for cat sitting is cat sat cat sat (laughs) i think it's very cute yeah, if, uh,
0: if anyone near me and who knows me wants me to cat sit for you, I have great references. <laughs> if
2: you want me to sit in your cat, hit me up.
0: Hit <laughs> me the frick up.
2: I will I will love them. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. So, a little, little intro, I think, needs to be done. So, this episode, I am asking us to try an experiment, which is to change up our structure. Instead of doing a play-by-play review and recap, like we typically do, I am trying something new where we instead go with a thematic uh, grounding for our analysis. Um, Not to mean that we're like getting fancy and serious or anything, we'll probably still start with the three overarching sister stories, and then we'll just start talking, but we'll start talking with our um, connecting thread being a theme instead of being the chronological timeline of the show.
0: Yeah, we're going to start talking with our hearts.
2: Oh, heart talk
0: heart talk instead of our heads so this is just going to be one big bimbo episode (laughs) Uh,
1: welcome
0: (laughs) i'm just i'm just kidding bryce is trying something different and i applaud her thanks um and i am also trying something different which is sticking to a script let's try
2: (laughs) okay so if if you get a little bit lost because we're not like Really walking through the plot, uh, that will be excellent feedback. So just let us know. Uh, email us. Email drop us a line. Yeah. Do not leave a review. Do not say it was bad. <laughs> uh, Please don't say it was bad. It'll break our hearts. Yeah, unless you really feel like it. In which case, I guess all feedback
0: is good feedback. We have one person who rated us three stars, <laughs> which made me so sad. Just average. Just average, which I think is not fair. If you're going to rate us, rate us five stars or zero. There's no in
2: between. (laughs) I have been talking to people recently about how we've really, there's like a weird curve on all of our star giving um, experiences, like whether it's Yelp or Lyft or these podcasts. Like it's no longer three is like fair and then four is like pretty good and then five is like unbeatable now it's got to be like five is like average like if you're not even a five you're not even worth listening to oh that's so sad yeah like especially for yelp restaurants like if a yelp restaurant has like an a three star people would be like oh that's a bad restaurant rather than like oh it's just an average restaurant that's a really good point oh how interesting i feel like you should do a data analysis of it (laughs) i don't know how much more i I mean it sounds more like a sociological study like you would interview people especially around like the culture with lyft or other ride sharing apps because now it's like hey if you want this person to keep their job as a lyft driver you need to give them a five otherwise they will be automatically kicked off the platform or yada yada that's a very good point
0: oh it's capitalism's fault it truly is Yep. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I love it when I get to say that, but I hate that I have to. Well, <sighs> such is life. Such is life. Anyway, uh, rate us five stars, please, <laughs> uh, for for absolutely no reason, honestly. Just like if you're feeling generous, please give us a five star rating. Yeah, if do it. Yeah, because it took us uh, half an hour to get to this point.
2: That's that's five the stars. Of the we can stop whenever we feel like it (laughs) okay all right let's just let's start with the three sisters story arcs and go from there yes absolutely so first off we have
0: shannon doherty as prue who is shannon doherty you might ask well she is prue okay um great great description (laughs) we all followed along we felt it Thank you. She's also best friends with Sarah Michelle Gellar, who is Buffy in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, And I just think that's neat. So anyway. It's neat. It's neat. But anyway, so Prue in this episode is working on a big case, a big one, huge, uh, with Jack. And the winner of the case, question mark? I don't know how any of this stuff works. Gets to have an all-expenses paid trip to new york to do non-business things for a conference i'm not sure but it's a big deal for them to go to new york but unfortunately prue's other activities of the supernatural variety keep getting in the way so she and jack are in that perpetual push and pull of prue not being a professional enough business person to work for this big auction house and jack Kind of, flirting douchily with her as she tries to figure out how to be a witch and how to be a business person at the same
2: time. Yep. So while all of this is going on in shenan Doherty's script, we go over to Phoebe, <laughs> who. Um, uh, so Phoebe's uh, plot arc is she is trying to become a psychic detective or a psychic consultant at the precinct that Daryl works at. And Daryl's like, this is a place of business. Why, why? But, uh, they get a case or, well, Phoebe, uh, there's a case with an abandoned baby and Phoebe sees a vision and she's like, this baby has been attacked by a demon. So they get a case. She has to take care of the baby. And she's like, Daryl just, I can solve this just give me some time so Daryl gives her like a day before social services comes knocking uh, and so while she's trying to figure out who this ghost is that is trying to kill the baby, she's also taking care of the baby and uh, the story kind of follows her trying to first of all she really likes kids and then w- what's the word I'm looking for Be uh, a she mother. really likes kids, but it's really hard taking care of kids so she's trying to reconcile those two um competing concepts uh, uh, good
0: I'm glad you remembered the word for that because the next thing I was going to say was going to be she tries to remember the songs to the to labyrinth and the lyrics to the song it's the you remind me of the babe what babe the babe with the power what power the power of voodoo who do
2: you do and it would have just gone on like that so I'm glad you got it right <laughs> uh, thank you I'm glad that I stopped you from going down that entire uh, replay of that scene that labyrinth one might say ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, got me good
0: i did oh we're silly today i did i promised a bimbo episode and you're getting one um anyway self-fulfilling and then prophecy the third story arc is from peeper peppy peeper peepy longstocking um Pepe. piper <laughs> <Pupette>. <laughs> pipette pipette <laughs> Um, so Piper is dealing with the same thing of having to care for this child, but she has an added emotional layer to it because she is trying to work out her feelings around Dan the man. And while knowing that she's really attracted to Dan and that she likes him a lot and he's a very good guy and he's so good with babies, um... She still knows that she's had that vision of the future in which she and Leo had gotten together and had a kid. So she is trying to reconcile that. And in the meantime, it's freaking her out
2: and she doesn't really know how to handle babies. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and just in case we haven't like fully gotten people a good idea of what the main issue in this episode is, there is a bibi and it has been abandoned at the police station. Um, there is a vision that reveals that the baby is connected to a ghost, and then it turns out this ghost is trying to kill every male child in this very well-off family, and so the sisters have to figure out a way to defeat the ghost and save the bebé and reunite it with it, its parents. The, the baby. The baby. As Catherine O'Hara would say. <laughs> I think of it from um, Z Frank's YouTube channel, which is like uh amazing facts or I forget what it was called, like uh weird facts about the platypus or things like of the, of that sort. And anytime there's like a baby animal he's always like the Bibit.
0: Oh, I very vaguely remember that. My my most prominent memory of the pronunciation is from Shits Creek, in which uh Moira Rose, which is Catherine O'Hara's character, um has very specific pronunciations for everything
2: and baby is always pronounced bebe. <laughs> it's so great that they just built the entire comedy of this character and honestly every character she plays around her inability to pronounce things the same way other people do. Depression. Depression.
0: Oh, Catherine O'Hara, please love us. Please. <laughs> Oh, uh, let's get Catherine O'Hare on a Super Yaki shirt.
2: Yep. Her entire face and then all of her, every word that she's most known for mispronouncing on the back of the shirt. God, that would be so good. I'll pitch it. Okay. I'll pitch it very soon. Okay. I've, I
0: have I have no power over it, Super Yaki, but uh, I will, I will pitch it. So anyway, yeah, those are three storylines, Converged and spoiler alert, they saved the baby and they get baby Matthew back to his mom but not to his dad because his dad has been killed by the angry angry ghost Myrtle dirtled
2: the got him real ducked okay yeah are we ready to present our themes for what uh what we think has encapsulated the show this this episode oh my god i feel like i'm getting married cuz i haven't seen your
0: theme before the wedding day ah uh, well you'll read yours to
2: me and i'll read mine to you
0: okay and ne'er the two shall part until the ghost has myrtle dirtled us oh no (laughs) together in death as well as life okay sounds good please present your theme
2: my theme is stories about waspy families oh shit oh shit is that your theme
0: no, but that's so good. Wouldn't that be funny? Uh, that would be really funny <laughs> if it was.
2: <laughs> it, it could be hard for some episodes where it's a very clear theme, but I feel like we, we both have different takes on many things. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So it, it's a gamble, but one that sometimes might pay off. Oh,
0: I'm so, so glad that you came up with that theme. That's incredible.
2: Okay, I'm going to go through a quick like, rundown of what I think about the show in relation to the theme, and then uh, we'll move on from there. Okay, so okay, sounds good. All right. so um I've been thinking a lot about how there have been so many TV shows, so many books that are just centered around the idea of the family dynamics and usually a waspy well-to-do family in some like insular town in like a suburb somewhere. Um, and I'm trying to I'm trying to like, understand what is our fascination of these kinds of stories and like one maybe we just like listening to people who or we just like talking about people who are supposed to be perfect and are supposed to be rich and are supposed to be like everything in their lives are going well we like to hear that their lives are actually shit because that makes us feel better but yes (laughs) (laughs) and that is true that is there's definitely a layer of that that does ring true I think another layer of it though is that these stories perfectly reveal to us how There are a lot of expectations for us in life, like how our relationships should look, how our uh, pathway in our career should look, how we should progress through all all of our different life stages. Like There are very societally demanded um, goals and regulations for all of that. And I think stories like this help us break that down because we always see how even in a family that where that's supposed to perfectly play out, we're like, all of the places and the environment has been perfectly set up for it. It never works. Um, and recently, I was reading this book called We're All Adults Here by Emma Straub. I did not finish it, so if, if the book it has more to it that I didn't realize, you can you can tell me. But from the first couple of chapters that I read, it's about this family, like a multi-generational family, and they all have like a pretty clearly defined way that they thought they were supposed to be. Like, They were like, okay, I'm going to grow up, I'm going to get these grades, I'm going to go to college, and then I'm going to settle down, uh, stay in this small town that I live in, know everybody that I've ever met uh, on the street since I was a child, and I'm going to like live here until I die and have a family and blah, blah, blah. And the whole story is about how that doesn't work because every single person's life just completely strays from that path. Like the younger son, he runs away uh, when he's very young, and then he has a child in New York, who is who grows up to be a middle schooler, so not quite grown yet, but has grown up a little bit, and then gets into some like big drama or whatever, and then has to move to the small town back in the Hudson Valley where the rest of the family grew up, and so there's that dynamic there. The middle sister she decides to have uh, to get pregnant via IVF without a partner, and so there's like all of this expectation of like ah oh, you need a partner blah blah blah. There is the matriarch of the family who reveals late in life that she is bisexual and she actually is in a same-sex relationship um, after her husband has died. And all, like her oldest son is like, how can you do this to us? This like, how am I supposed to explain this to my sons? So there, there are all these different family members who are supposed to have like a certain pathway in life and a certain relationship with every single family member. And they can't stick to it because that's not what life, like, life looks like. And so these stories really reveal to us how we should recognize that the way that we, the reality that we live in is very different from the prescribed ones that we often think are being given to us in books and TV shows. And that, I didn't breathe once, but that is my thesis. Wow. I love that. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Oh, so does, does that relate more to the sisters or to the waspy family that we see? Uh, I think I thought about it mostly because of the sisters, and then I think I had this waspy concept just because that was like it was probably being primed in my head just watching this other family in the TV show. but the sisters made me think of this idea because there was such an expectation or there was a continual conversation between them where there was an expectation that they should have children.
0: Okay, that is a very, very good point. Uh, oh, I like it thank you what are what are some of your favorite? other like waspy representations in film and tv i'm very curious
2: i mean schitt's creek is is one that we were just talking about which is uh, maybe they're not like the exact perfect nuclear family they're jewish that's true that's true but they're like classically rich and like don't understand how the other half lives no, that's a good point. And it, when I say waspy family, I think, I think that was my general theme that I was going with. But there are so many ideas that kind of play off of that. But there, there are other stories in that reference the similar type of family story, but you can be in a different culture and you can be in a different country. It's just the same kind of general concept that there is a tradition and everyone in this family should follow that tradition and it's not actually how reality plays out. Mm-hmm. very interesting I, very very interesting my last thought though is that at the end of the episode they are like fully in their groove they know how to take care of a baby and the three sisters are like getting ba- baby Matthew ready to reunite with his mother and I, I was like they were like playing really happy music and I was like okay if this was a show about three witches taking care of a baby like Sabrina the teenage witch but from the perspective of her aunts that would be a fun show too
0: I want to be the baby that the Charmed Ones raise when they, at the very beginning of the episode, when this whole scenario is first introduced, and they're basically like, how are we going to take care of a baby? What what are we going to do? Like, raise it in the ways of witchcraft and teach it how to fight off demons? And I was like, oh my god,
2: that's what I want. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, man! I can totally see you like with your little poofy hair and you're like running around, and there's magic it's so cute.
0: I'm the worst witch that's me. No, yes, it would be great. I would have so much
2: fun. Uh, I'm baby, and that's that. yeah, in conclusion, Shana is baby. in conclusion, I'm baby oh
0: that would that would be a great show. It's a great show if it's starring me. The other the other show within a show that we have here, um, that we have talked about in previous episodes too, is the Daryl and Phoebe show, which yes. is very exciting. Yes. Which we actually get more of in this episode, which is so fun. All I want to do is see Daryl and Phoebe have their adventures, their misadventures together, and and it needed like I half expected. This episode to have its own theme song oh. within it of like, she's a kooky psychic and he's this speculative cop. They're cynical sometimes, but they don't
2: flop. That's right. It's Daryl and Phoebe. Do 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 do. I don't know something. That's a good one. No, we're putting it in. That's the theme song for today. Excellent. So that's
0: that's what I wanted. Like it. That sitcom is just so. It's right. There, right underneath the surface of this episode. And I had such a fun time watching Daryl be so skeptical of Phoebe and say things like, oh, stop, I'm going to stop you right there. And, you know, <laughs> don't tell me any more of this uh, magic stuff. It is just so long suffering and it's so great. I love it. And she is so unapologetic. Mm-hmm. Which is just a joy. Just a joy to watch. In relation... Okay, so when you first said waspy families, I I understand now what you were getting at of these, like, very traditionalist kind of family. Like, your your matriarch and patriarch had very certain values, and they've been brought up in those values, and they pass it down to the kids, <laughs> along with the same trauma to the kids. But that's beside the point. <laughs> they They're, like, in this very rigid structure, and... It's thought that if you compress someone into the structure, there's no way that they're going to break out of it and that they're just going to arrive as a like a perfect molded cookie cutter person and they'll never have any problems because truly that's a continuing theme is like what a parent is most worried about is their kid having issues in the world and, and just having life be harder. But of course in all of these traditional family structures if you push too hard in one direction the kid's going to push back and going to break out of something like it's just it's inevitable in some way that that's going to happen um and i think that that's like a really interesting kind of theme to look at mm-hmm. especially with this book that you're talking about which i i haven't read so i can't give you anything but i'm glad there's a bisexual let's character. talk about
2: this book that neither of us has read
0: <laughs> i know isn't that great uh book club with bryce and Shayna. we can't read um <laughs> but anyway uh but Just two people when... can't
2: read i'm sorry that's so funny
0: <laughs> i know that's why we're doing a podcast about a tv show bryce
2: right right you're you're so right i'm so sorry continue <laughs> on carry on Anyway, but when I
0: thought you were just talking about waspy families, like representations of them, because of of the other family in this episode, the Van Lewins, by the way, which uh, I heard that name, and Van Lewins is an ice cream um, oh. company or shop. I'm, I manufacture, I'm not really sure. It's it's a chain in New York, and I was like. <gasps> No wonder their ice cream is so tasty. It's buried with, it's like blood, money. The ice cream (laughs) magnets. (laughs) It's blood that makes the ice cream. It's human. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Go on. But anyway, but I was thinking about representations of waspy families that I've watched recently. um, A few of which being uh, Desperate Housewives. Mm Mm-hmm which has been another very escapist, very 2010s and, like, 2000s watch, which has been fun, and past the first season, I was kind of... I kind of took a break from, and I was like, "Ah, I don't need to watch more of this right now. But one of the biggest plots is around this extremely waspy family, like, Republican family, that break up because the the wife who is who is played by marcia cross um brie is her is her desperate housewife name the redhead y'all might know her as (laughs) uh she that helps i know she is portrayed as being like completely obsessive about the smallest details and like needs to have a picture perfect family and so her husband cheats on her and her and her uh her children absolutely despise her and the whole time i was look I was watching the show i I felt so incredibly bad for her mm-hmm. for this character because she does so much labor, just so much physical labor, manual labor, emotional labor, in order to make her family happy in the only way that she's been taught is correct Um, and it just it doesn't do anything for them it just pushes them to really despise her and and treat her like dirt Um, so that was that was one of the first representations I thought about and then another one um, is because I'm watching Glee was again this like extremely waspy like white christian family who spoiler alert it's like in the first two episodes of glee um the daughter quinn who is like the head cheerleader and has to be like the perfect daughter and who is in a the head of the celibacy club and all that uh has a teenage pregnancy and whose father disowns her kicks her out of the house and again it's this like opposite kind of just absolute push toward this is the picture of normalcy and of perfection and this is the only way to be successful especially in america especially if you're a woman and i think that the charmed episode really plays into that with these ideas of like where are maternal instincts we're supposed to have those um Oh, no, we can't keep a job and have a baby at the same time. Like, that's just impossible. Well, maybe, Phoebe, you shouldn't think about having a baby. You should think about finding a man first. Like, all of this stuff, just three completely different shows, but it just, like, slots into place in terms of how we perceive womanhood and perfection and who is driving the perfection for a family. It's always the woman but somehow they also simultaneously make the people around them miserable in achieving that perfection.
2: Oh dang, that's good. That is a good analysis and much more well said than my uh breathless scramble earlier.
0: Oh, it's I think it was on par with the breathlessness. I would say I think we're we're same breakneck speed, um, no, but I think you're very think well you, spoken. Thank you. I think you brought an amazing theme to the table. Waspy families are really fun to watch, especially I would say, especially as a Jewish person, um, be, because they're they're certainly the image of like what an American family should be that we see in in so many different aspects of visual media, especially. But when you go a little bit deeper, and I think definitely, definitely in the '90s and and even I think even more sardonically, like into the 2000s, 2010s, um, you see them being represented visually, but also really being eviscerated in some ways, and just like scrutinized and and torn apart. But I don't think Charmed is definitely not like tearing that notion apart at all it's really quite wholeheartedly embracing the charmed ones as like feminine maternal beings (laughs) women who who innately fall into again fall into place into this like role of the mother even if they have a few mishaps at first there's no way that they would be bad mothers Cause they're their protagonists,
2: yeah, and there's no way that they weren't destined to at some point enter motherhood, exactly, absolutely, which is so weird. Yeah, it, it's it's a very weird concept for me, who was not a mother, to think about, especially because I feel like I'm so far from that period of my life if I ever do have that kind of period of my life. Um, and so I think about that often. I think about like, what is it like? to want to be a parent. And I know we have parents listening and I respect you, but I don't understand it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's very fair. That's very fair. I don't think it's something that you are meant to understand right now because it's, it's not your experience. Certainly.
2: And you know what, even when you're a parent, you might not understand it. I think that family and being a parent and children they're all very complicated things that is probably a unique experience for every person
0: absolutely yeah i would say so yeah i mean even myself as someone who is like would love to have a family um and would love to like care for kids in some way but not not mine biologically certainly um i i like know that i i am simply a person and that the way that i handle myself around children right now is not necessarily uh appropriate in terms of like how do you talk to a child in the right way i have no idea i have no idea how to talk to a kid i will talk to a kid like i'm talking to you dear listener (laughs) (laughs) and uh I sometimes get just like a stare of utter bemusement. First, of just like who is this t- totally alien creature in front of us, and why? Why does she talk about this thing called Monty Python? I don't understand.
2: <laughs> uh, it, that I mean, that jives perfectly with what you told me a while back about how your persona is part Mary Poppins. Like, you will, you enjoy taking care of people, but not your own, like, children. And yeah. <laughs> when you do take care of these other people, it's always with, like, an attitude that forces them to get to your level.
0: Yeah. A little bit of a distance, I would say.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, uh, that's enough psychoanalyzing of myself. That's, <laughs> that's too much. The whole podcast that's is That's basically, that. yeah, it's
2: the whole podcast. Oh, yikes.
0: Oh, yikes. No thank you. So I it's so funny that you mentioned this like predestined kind of thing and that it was a little bit different actually from this waspy theme or like sim i it, it made sense within it, but went in a different direction than I expected. Because um my basic theme is sprouting from Piper, mainly, of of her knowledge that her future one of her futures you know because you don't know it could change is with leo and was with having a kid with him um and the question is if you had the chance to change your fate would you and uh yeah i mean the the real question was if you had the chance to know what your future was would you take it and what does it do to someone to believe that they are predestined for something. Ooh, so good it's, Carry so, on. It's, it's so funny that our you know, that our themes were so similar that we picked those out. It's almost like we were watching the same episode. <laughs> I was thinking about this in a in a number of ways. In certainly in Piper not being able to be fully like on board. Well on board with, with Dan the man, who again I find less and less annoying all the time, um, especially in this episode, because he just he doesn't do a single bad thing, really. He he's just also again not that interesting, and I have the problem that Piper does, which is that we're still comparing him to Leo, and we're still waiting for the other Leo shoe to drop or something, and she's unable to really be fully involved in this this future fantasy of she and Dan having children and, and Dan being so good with this kid because she knows, not in her heart, but literally in her head from having been there, that her future was with Leo. So if she's predestined for that, what does it mean if she's trying to have a family or trying to just move further in her relationship with Dan? is that for not should she be stopping that what in the world is she to do really and i think if if i were in the position of piper there would certainly be a period of time where i'd be just absolutely paralyzed by indecision and and by fear because if you know this one thing and the thing she knew also wasn't entirely pleasant which is that she and Leo had separated, and this is this is a timeline too in which, of course, Phoebe was burned at the stake. So let's not forget. lest lest we forget. Um, in this in the episode that I'm referring is is uh, witch trials, which was I believe the second episode of the second season, um, in which the witches get sent to the future, a future in which witchcraft in in which witchcraft has been outlawed and uh Phoebe murdered someone with her powers in in revenge for his uh his his assaulting of her friend but what Piper knows is that she has a beautiful child and that at some point her relationship with Leo was serious enough to have this kid and to be married so if you knew and of course specifically to Piper this this only relates to like marriage and uh, and parenting and having a kid but if you knew who your future ex-husband was going to be what would you do in the
2: meantime? Mm, that's really good. Ah, oh, you picked a good one too. Ah, thank you. Darren, we're good at this. Dang, we
0: are. Love it when we make our own rules.
2: <laughs> and then uh, we happen to be very good at those rules.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it would be sad if we were terrible at them. But, uh, you know, fair is fair. Bad rules, bad people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> bad choices. <laughs> Stay safe, kids. Use protection. Wear a mask.
2: Oh, man, I've, I think you raise a ton of good questions that not only does Piper have to grapple, but I think it relates back to um, everything that we have to deal with as people who have a certain prescribed formula for how we're supposed to live our lives. We might be told by our parents, like, this is the journey that you're going to take to be a to have a happy life. And when we stray from that journey, we have to ask ourselves, like, am I, is, is this not who I am anymore? And that's um, not exactly the kind of decision or um, uh, internal struggle that Piper has to make, because she literally knows her future. But I think in some small way, we often experience that in our own personal lives. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would
0: say a lot of the time, anytime that you decide on something, or even if you don't consciously decide on it, but you have a vague depiction in your mind of like what you're expected to do or what you expect yourself to do, and there's something that makes you stray from it. I I find that it's taken me a long time to be even slightly okay with that deviation from something that I've I've put upon myself or like someone else has put upon me. But there is that expectation. It's it's very hard to disappoint other people. Oh my god! <laughs> it's, it's a very hard thing to do. Yep. And I think it's, it's especially hard to feel as though you're disappointing everyone when you are making a choice that does not lead you to conform to some societal or familial or, like, traditional path. So the question of, like, not being good at caring for a child, I think, is rightfully terrifying.
2: Yeah. And then the question of, do I get to experience love if I know that this isn't, or if I think that this might not be the final love? I also think that that is a question that is equally hard to grapple with, and one that we all do. Yeah, I completely agree. And something
0: I would say to that is that uh, there are a lot of ways to approach it certainly i mean there are there are infinite ways to to approach it and certainly infinite ways to do so in a very healthy manner depending on the individuals involved but um one thing i would suggest is piper have you tried polyamory (laughs) yeah you tell her (laughs) yeah exactly um not saying then you don't have to choose but then saying you can make conscious and ethical choices (laughs) and communicate with multiple partners. And also, not everything has to be on this uh, relationship escalator of, like, oh, you move into this one thing, okay, with this one person, okay, and then you're going to move to the next stage, which is moving in together, okay, and then you're going to move to the next stage, which is getting engaged, okay, and then married, and then you're going to have a kid. Like, it doesn't... That's not the only... You don't just step on and keep going. You actually get to make choices. Um, but I think that does get pretty fucked up from having not only a vision of your destiny, but having lived your destiny ahead of time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think um, another layer to add to it is that Piper might also just have issues in general with the idea of committing if she doesn't feel... Like she can commit in the same level that the other partner can commit or wants to commit. Absolutely. Oh, that's yeah.
0: Ooh, been there. That's a hard one. It's a hard one. And again, it's I think it's based around a lack of communication around honest desires because you're expected to act a certain way.
2: Mm-hmm. And because So
0: it's sorry, go on. I was just going to say, it's all commitment or it's nothing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And you're so right. If if you communicate and you say, hey, these are my actual expectations, and then the other person is like, oh, well, these are my actual expectations, then maybe you can actually have an honest conversation about what the future can look like together. Perhaps. That's, nah, nah, it's too weird. But we haven't
0: seen our future, so we don't know. <sighs> also... I would say another thing that led me to this theme um was was very much the like existential angst and depression that I've been feeling because I was wondering you know nobody actually knows and nobody can know exactly right what's to come in the next few years in the next decade you know even in the next month or so we've had so much turbulence and tumult um in the world and and certainly in the country and it's like i like i said at the beginning of this like how could i say pre-fires but also pre-police brutality and and killing of george floyd and um pre-covid you know how can i do all of those say all of those things in the span of just a a few months really there's we had we had no idea we as like just ordinary everyday citizenry had no idea that this was coming you know we weren't expecting it and the people who might have been expecting it weren't able to broadcast their voices in a way that was being taken seriously in the current climate. So I think about that and I think what would have what would I have done if I had known you know 6 months ago even what was to happen would that have oh, been yeah. something that like made me prepare and made me move back to california with my parents would it have made me like move to a farm on Verm- like in vermont or something or become a doomsday prepper what what could i what would i have done and what would i have felt thwarted by and i think i think in the end that i'm happier not to have known really like the specifics of everything. I wish it hadn't happened of course. And I wish that the people who knew what to do were being listened to and were being given resources in order to actually carry out what they consider to be their jobs, which, which is helping all of us survive. Um, so I certainly don't don't wish the past six months would have happened the way they did. But I think the fact of the matter is that they did and still somehow so many people that I know have been able to pick up and adapt. Not pick up and leave necessarily. A lot of people have stayed right where they were. But have been able to adapt and have been able to do so with an ingenuity and improvisation that I'm I'm absolutely stunned by and I think that occasionally that's an incredibly inspiring thing to know that we're able to adapt and survive just things that were truly unimaginable 6 months ago just to as a as a closing to this um on the flip side of it I like to imagine sometimes a future and a destiny in which, like all of this has happened, and we've we've been able to work with and recover and repair from it, not only ourselves but also our environment and uh, and the structures around us perhaps by dismantling and then building up in a completely different way. But I like to think about something like that and just, like, sometimes the peace that comes with knowing, I have absolutely no idea what that's going to be, but it could be just the absolute most beautiful future, and I have no idea. And so I think it's better not to know.
2: That was a train of thought that was very delightful to follow and to really see a lot of nuanced um, introspection in. And I think I agree with a lot of the points you made. That was really well said.
0: Thank you. It was quite a ramble.
2: No, I think it was good. It was well connected, and I thought that it finally ended on a good, cohesive idea, a concept oh thank you yeah um I really appreciate that and th- i think i i agree with you that i i'm glad not to know and even if i had known six months ago what what could i have done because knowing the future does not mean that i can control it like i i can respond to it but my actions will not have might not have made anything better um and so i kind of really liked that last point you made about how One of the best things about us, people who can't see the future, is that we're still able to respond to the present and to the unfolding lives that we have and hopefully make the future more and more a place that we like to live in. I hope so. I
0: really hope so. Are there any parts of this episode that we want to (laughs) talk about at all? Or like any... Any
2: lines or any scenes or anything like that? I have only one. It is the opening scene when Prue is preparing for her business trip, and she is wearing a short shirt and a long skirt. Yeah, exactly. I I also
0: had I had I made a few notes of of Prue's outfitting and costuming and hairstyles during this episode, including. When she is shopping for baby gear, she looks very suspicious because she's wearing this, like, very expensive, elaborate long coat oh. <laughs> and just, like, stuffing diapers into the cart <laughs> like a mad woman. <laughs>
2: I'm going to resell these diapers in the black market.
0: Yeah, that's that's very much what it looks like. Um, also, <laughs> okay, we didn't even really get into the, like, the plot of why this ghost is coming back to kill all these male all the male line and everything but the fact is he uh he was a spurned chauffeur who was shot in the back by the matriarch of the household which is absolutely ridiculous i don't know it's all <laughs> ridiculous but um these two that play the 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 matriarch and then the ghost have a really fun rapport very very soap opera like soap opera on steroids Mm -hmm. supernatural soap opera which is quite fun it's what charmed is a lot of the time Um, but (laughs) when the charmed ones are trying to vanquish this ghost the method that they have to do it in is by unearthing his bones and pouring a potion over it to send him on his merry way and When, when Phoebe and Prue are in the middle of doing, of digging up the bones and they like smash some of the the skull or the ribs with, with um, a shovel, the ghost actor goes, my bones, (laughs) my grave. And then he like zooms, poofs off and like moves the bones forever um, like absolve, uh absolves absorbs them back into the earth absolves them back into the earth would be like a very poetic statement but <laughs> absorbs the bones and buries them deep back into the earth and he goes you can't vanquish me without my bones can you <laughs> which I just thought was such a great like campy evil villain line which I really really enjoyed and then this matriarch Matches him in his, like, ridiculous school of acting. She's gone to the Catherine Hepburn school of <laughs> okay. acting. In which you turn your eyes first to whatever you're looking at. And then the rest of your head follows. Yep. Um, And it's it's just so incredibly dramatic. And the twist is that the person that the ghost thought shot him was actually her. She shot him. And she in order to protect her grandson matthew so that he uh won't be killed by the ghost she throws herself over the balcony and i got big wedding from hell flashback vibes
2: oh yeah and,
0: yeah and then she ascends and the ascension of the ghost is also fucking ridiculous it's all ridiculous but it's so much fun and so I would say, even though we didn't spend a ton of time talking about, like, the details of this episode, this is a really fun episode to watch in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. It, it There are some, like, really duddy kind of parts, and, like, the three baby or three babies and a witch! The three witches and a baby is sometimes fun if you can look past the, like, just absolute sexism happening, you know? Um... And just like repression, oh man, it's I mean that that is a lot, but it's it's fun, yeah. To to just like watch the actresses have fun with a baby, um. So it's it's a fun episode, and also the whole thing about the like I'm going to kill all the male heirs. I was like, you know what we could do in this, which would be really great, is we could have like a Lord of the Rings twist and in which is you know i am no man and that's why she's able to to kill the dude uh-huh. Um, if if the baby if matthew just turned out to be trans or genderqueer then fuck it you know it would have been great that's it that's what i think the new trope should be for for any sort of like trope existent for a trans character it it's it shouldn't be any of the harmful ones anymore, and any of the things associated with like trans and queer characters dying or being sad. It should just be like, ah, of course this person has to be the hero. You know why? Because they're trans, or because because they're gender queer and they are thwarting what their destiny was.
2: You know what I was reading the uh, rest of the summary of, this, of that book I was talking about at the very beginning and I think there is a trans character who ends up being the friend of the middle school daughter and has like helps the rest of the family um, like face the reality of their situations. Although, I have also seen some reviews that say that they don't really do this trans character justice. Like The character identifies as a woman, or I guess a girl, but they, the author keeps referring to the character as a he throughout the book. So, uh. maybe not well done, but on, on 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 like a perfectly um well leveled that's not a way to say words uh <laughs> any anyway so i i mean i haven't read it i don't really know what the rest of it looks like but i at least this author was trying to get at something that you are uh describing perhaps
0: perhaps the the character sounds like they were falling into a, a like magical othered person kind of a stereotype but like you know what we got bigger fish to fry sometimes and uh sometimes that's a ghost <laughs>
2: gotta fry that ghost right up in hell yep
0: yeah, fry him up fry him up into the fire out of the frying pan into the fiery
2: depths of hell uh do we want to still do our demon death
0: i mean i would i would be happy to i would i would certainly rate it like oh gosh it's hard i i would rate it like a a, like a 2.9 jeremy's interesting
2: i really like like a three okay okay
0: oh god maybe maybe i should rate it higher because you know the utter just camp of it all was really fun of this this the way this ghost died was like The other, the other, the Matrix ghost ascending and then saying, go to hell. And then the ghost just like spins around a bunch over the flames of hell and gets sucked into hell. So I guess, I guess it was pretty fucking fun. Yeah, it should be higher.
2: It should be like a 3.5, I think. All right. That's pretty close to what I said. I was thinking like a four out of five Jeremy's. Um, because of the pure chaos, the fact that the grandmother threw herself over the railing, the fact that she rose up again as a ghost to tell off the other ghost, the fact that he toilet flushed his way into hell, chaos <laughs>
0: utter chaos, yeah, no one could have seen all of that coming, <laughs> so
2: fuck you, destiny. Fuck you, Destiny. Um, all right, this was a long one. I think we hadn't like fully figured out how we were going to navigate the episode with this new thematic structure. So I think it went a little long, but I did kind of like it.
0: So thank you so much for listening to our long, long ramble and for continuing to tune in. And also just for, for being a friend. We're so happy to have something to do together apart during this time. Uh, my name is Shayna. You can find me at
2: Bernadette Teeters on Instagram. My name is Bryce. You can find me at Your Best Bryce or at Finished Foodstagram on Instagram as well. Together, we
0: are Charmed Spellcast, and you can find us at Charmed Spellcast on Instagram, and you can also write to us at charmedspellcast at gmail.com. We love all of your letters. Every single one. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Hmm. Also, this is so sad. This may not get listened to, but there was a scene of Phoebe typing, and I was like, oh my God, perfect opportunity. If anybody wants to make us a GIF again, we want those Phoebe typing GIFs. Yes, gifts. the typey typeys. The typey typey. Tippy tappy typey typeys. So, um, if you got this far and you want to make us a GIF, it would be the greatest gift of all. Thank you so much and good night. Goodbye,
1: babies.
0: Been listening to earbud media production earbud media audio for everyone